0: And welcome to the October 9th, 2018 edition of Liberation Station Radio Show with your host, Chris Steiner. That's me. And tonight, we just have a whole bunch of news to talk about and to tell you about some events coming up tomorrow at the Seminole Library in Seminole will be Giselle Lawn. She will be at... uh, Meeting room A or B, I'm not sure. It'll be at 2 o'clock p.m. October 10th at 9200 113th Street North. That's 9200 113th Street North. For the disconnection, folks, we had a little bit of technical problems, but uh, we're back on phone and going to try to reconnect with a better audio quality with Skype. As I was saying, that uh, Giselle Lawn will be at the Seminole Library tomorrow. She'll be sharing her experiences from being in Israel and Palestine for six months this year. She served as an international human rights monitor to witness. Life Under Occupation, and she served as a volunteer in the Ecumenical Accompaniment Program in Palestine and Israel, that's the EAPPI, with the World Council of Churches, that is at EAPPI.org. So I think I was cut off when I was mentioning that uh, she will be tomorrow, t- October 10, 2018, at the Seminole Library. Not sure if it's meeting room A or B, but they are right next to each other, so you can uh, check them out or uh, get there a couple minutes early. And uh, that is at 9200, 113th Street North in Seminole, Florida, 33772. And um, if you can come help set up, uh, that would be appreciated, just to pick up the chairs and put them out and help uh, put them away afterwards, perhaps. But... uh, um, that would be appreciated, and uh, in Hebron, uh, there's uh, been a lot of um, difficulty, as has been the case for a long time, and um, I'm, she'll be speaking on that in, in other areas. But, you know, I, I think that the main solution for the Israeli-Palestinian conflict would be just to have a laser... Anti-ballistic missile technology installed, so that whenever uh, one side or the other shoots over uh, uh, one of their missiles or attacks the other by air, well, then lasers can take them down. And gosh knows, we give military aid to both sides, so. Uh, We could equip both sides, but if for some reason the argument is made that Palestinians could not be trusted, of course, they don't have any aircraft to shoot down. They have no airport being occupied. So uh, if they were given the technology, well, let's just give it to Israel, and then they would be able to shoot down any of the homemade rockets that have come over, shot and aimed at Israel over the years, and shoot them down. Uh, They're... Then these laser technologies, like the MFEL, the Military Tactical High Energy Laser, that has been publicly available since 2000. There are videos online, but uh, they're much more sophisticated systems. But even the MFEL, just one laser can shoot down three simultaneously incoming missiles, including uh, things much more sophisticated than homemade Missiles uh, or rocket propelled grenades that the Palestinians have been alleged to shoot over. So, um, you know, give Israel this technology and they would have no further reason to um, retaliate in disproportionate measure against the Palestinians. And I think that would go a long way to peace. Now, you know, once you have no reason to attack Palestine, where we can then learn who the true aggressor is. And um, it's just terrible what the Palestinians are going through in Gaza. And you can see the drone footage of how a desolate wasteland it is, and yet they continue to live there um, in what they consider their homeland. So I would just like to see peace and uh, knock it off. So with, with this laser technology, I, I would not be surprised that Israel possesses, but uh, I would like it to be public. You know, This military tactical high-energy laser is outdated, but it's adequate. It's 20 years outdated, but it's still adequate to do the job. Well, now let's move on to the next story. As I try to reconnect with the control room on Skype, let's see here. Okay. So um, we also have a solar co op meeting coming up on October. Pardon me there. I see that we are back on Skype. Well, thank you. Excellent. Okay, so uh, we have on October 16th in St. Petersburg, a a co-op meeting coming up. And if I can iron out this problem here, okay, then I will tell you all about it. There we go, you can go to solarunitedneighbors.org to learn about what is a solar co-op now on october 16th the uh, meeting will be at gladden park recreation center in st petersburg at 3901 30th avenue north that's 3901 30th avenue north st petersburg from 6 p.m to 7:30 p.m again october 16th and uh briefly from the website solar united neighbors.org that's solar united neighbors website what is a solar co-op we bring homeowners together into a group or co-op we provide unbiased installer neutral support to co-op participants throughout each stage of the process of ongoing solar our experienced team ensures you understand how solar works how it can be financed and how it can be installed on your home co-ops take advantage of the group's bulk purchasing power to get discounted pricing and quality installation volunteer co-op participants choose an installer on behalf of the entire group through an open and competitive bidding process the selected installer provides co-op participants a personalized proposal for their consideration and there's a video a short video that uh, describes further what a co-op is how to set one up and so um, this is uh, again october 16th the next meeting they're holding 6 to 7:30 p.m gladden park recreation center 3901 30th avenue north st petersburg and their next one is november 15th from 6 to 7:30 p.m again This time at West St. Petersburg Library, 6700 8th Avenue North, St. Petersburg. That's West St. Petersburg Library, 6700 8th Avenue North in St. Petersburg. Also for more energy, you can check out the Southern Alliance for Clean Energy at cleanenergy.org. There's a wealth of information there at cleanenergy.org. And on the website for the radio show here, that's theliberationstation.com. That's T-H-E, liberationstation.com. By tonight or tomorrow, for this particular show site, or the, the page for this particular show, is going to be the full appearance of Erin Brockovich in Fort Myers, where she spoke on October 3rd, the day after the last show, this past Wednesday. So that was... a uh, very emotional meeting of hundreds of concerned citizens over the red tide issue, or the phosphate issue, including contributors to the red tide problem like Mosaic Phosphate Mining Company, which was just permitted to allow to uh, dump its radioactive and tox- otherwise toxic waste into the Alafia River in Lithia, Florida, Hillsborough County. So uh, there's a lot that We have to learn from that meeting of hundreds of folks uh, often crying, their their pets are dying, their livelihoods are drying up the the tourism industry, Um, and uh, it also has a lot to do with the sugar growers around Lake Okeechobee where this uh, toxic waste is being discharged out through the uh, east and the west sides of the state at various times through the year it used to go south but since uh, 1929 the uh, herbert hoover dam was constructed that's been controlled so um, it's been channeled out to the east and the west coast where now red tide is spreading much more than it ever has before in the last two or three years and especially lately uh, it's uh, uh, very intense Uh, the, the dead animals are just everywhere. And it's uh, reached Pinellas County even, so it's concerning us. It's uh, impacting our economy. And uh, of course, Mosaic Phosphate Mining Company controls about 6,000 acres north of Lake Okeechobee. So contributing to the red tide is the phosphate and the nitrogen from fertilizer, and of course, they what you probably hear mostly on the news, as I've heard, is that uh, try to blame the people, not the companies, not the corporations like the sugar growers and Mosaic Phosphate Mining Company and their discharge of phosphate by other means. But you hear that you it's the citizens who are discharging their, um, you know, they're, they're leaching these the nitrogen and phosphates is leaching from their septic tanks. So uh, don't be fooled and think that the people are the major contributors. I think that those who contribute the most need to participate in remediation efforts, and there are remediation technologies out there like aeration, ozonation, copper sulfate, magnesium oxide, magnesium peroxide. These are available. And they need to be pursued. And also, as mentioned in the last two weeks, there was the March to the Mound at Felipe Park on October 6th. And uh, WTSP did some news coverage of it. We'll get into that more in the future as efforts continue. As evinced by the dozens of folks who showed up at the March to the Mound so uh, this is, as, I, as was stated earlier in the earlier shows, that it's to end the use of glyphosate-based herbicides like Roundup because they are shown toxic and carcinogenic and endocrine disruptors and destroyers of your beneficial gut bacteria, the beneficial bacteria that help produce for, for one thing help uh, digest your food and also help produce neurotransmitters as in your mesentery plexus in your digestive tract so if those are killed then you're going to be in a pretty foul mood and it's going to uh, you know besides toxifying you your your gut flora or, or your second brain as it's uh, off as the, the mesentery plexus is often referred so, uh, the ending of glyphosate is a very important issue, and uh, march against Monsanto has covered it, as well as Mothers Across America, That from which uh, Zen Honeycutt, the founder and uh, head of, joined us two weeks ago, the September 25th, 2018 issue. Now, if you'd like to join us here at the Liberation Station radio show, the phone numbers are... that's 727-441-3000, or 866-826-1340, that's 866-826-1340. The show website is theliberationstation.com, that's theliberationstation.com where we cover the news that the mainstream corporate media tends to lose, which proves it's what you can truly use. Next story is that, uh, reflecting back on that September 25th, 2018 edition of the show, where Zen Honeycutt, I'm glad to have learned from, from her, I've learned that uh, glyphosate is degraded by bacteria like acetobacter, That's found, as she mentioned, in kombucha tea, sauerkraut, and organic raw, preferably organic, raw apple cider vinegar. I don't know of any company that sells it that is not organic. That's raw apple cider vinegar, unfiltered. And the study that proves that, is from 2010 from the African Journal of Biotechnology, Volume 9, Number 26, entitled Biodegradation of Glyphosate Herbicide in Vitro Using Bacterial Isolates isolates from Four Rice Fields by A.N. Moniki, G.N. Okpala, C.U. and Yan Wu. And I'm sure I'm not pronouncing their names correctly. Being African, I'm not very good at the etymology of that, so I wanted to explain why it's important to drink kombucha tea, because that is easy to make, and and sauerkraut is easy to make at home as well, basically water and cabbage and ferment it for a while, for a few weeks. Or by Bubby's brand, which, uh, as we mentioned on the September 25th show that Zen Honeycutt says is a good brand, although most of the brands, as she mentioned, are not very rich in the uh, Acetobacter or any bacteria because they're pasteurized. They might be sold in the refrigerated section, usually in bags, but they don't have any bacteria in them. So Bubby's brand is good, and that's what I like. But for kombucha, you can buy kombucha, although it's usually weak, and the reason is they don't want the fermentation to burst the glass bottles in which it's sold, so that extends the shelf life. So what you can do is homebrew kombucha and make it much stronger, ferment it for much longer and much less expensively. And more potently than the store-bought kombucha that's fermented only slightly to extend shelf life while avoiding bursting their glass bottles, I homebrew kombucha by buying a store-bought unflavored kombucha, then culturing it with 10 organic green tea bags in a gallon of water. Sorry, just getting a little message here as to which I'll pick up uh, this uh, instruction guide in just a moment. So you you let the uh, the, the 10 green tea, green tea bags brew in a gallon of water and let it cool down uh, before it cools down uh, or, be, or after. You can add two cups of sugar, but I prefer sucanat, which is unrefined, organic uh, sucanat, unrefined. Sugar that uh, has never had any of the molasses removed and then added back to it, as in the case of brown sugar. So uh, Sucanat is replete with vitamins and minerals. And so you take that two cups of sugar and the 10 green tea bags brewed in a gallon of water, and then you can add a little bit of the kombucha liquid, again, unflavored variety and it at room temperature in an all glass container like an iced tea jar not the kind that has a rubber spigot at the bottom it's because you want the culture to only have contact with glass no metal no rubber no plastic and protect the container from contamination by covering it with a cheesecloth or two layers of quality paper towels and secure it on the top by a rubber band for a higher vinegar content fermented longer with a a tighter seal by adding a lid that allows less air to enter but the fermentation gases need to be allowed to escape and once the scoby which is a pancake looking type um well, it's, it's SCOBY stands for Symbiotic Culture of Bacteria and Yeast. So this culture, after maybe two or three weeks, will form on the top. It'll float on the top. And the kombucha should be fairly strong after that point. By the time you have a SCOBY, that forms the pancake culture. It looks like a pancake because it'll be flesh-colored. And the, once you have that, the kombucha can be fermented more quickly with a SCOBY than without one, as is the case I just described, or you're starting with just the liquid that's store-bought. So you can take that SCOBY, and with a little bit of kombucha tea liquid as a starter, you can start your own kombucha, and then within about two weeks, you'll have a very potent kombucha tea. So um, if you... uh, if you When you do use the SCOBY each time, you'll have a new layer that forms on the top of the last one until the oldest layer becomes darker, which shows that it's starting to die, at which point it should be peeled away, removed, and composted or otherwise discarded. And that's your instruction guide in a nutshell for growing kombucha tea at home, so you don't have to spend a whole lot of money to, to make it yourself. Just uh, don't use anything like citrus or mint or cardamom like you'll find in um, Earl Grey tea. Or Before you grow it, you can do a search for acceptable f- um, flavors that you can add to it. And a lot of these flavors that you see in the store are added after the kombucha is cultured, So. They avoid culturing, they avoid killing the culture. And uh, so that's how to get your acetobacter bacteria in order to biodegrade the glyphosate based herbicides that are so ubiquitous, it's impossible to not come in contact with them. And Zen Zen Honeycutt mentions that her son had uh, autism symptoms that were resolved uh, soon after putting him on a glyphosate-free, GMO-free, genetically modified free, and organic diet very quickly after that, within about three weeks, I think she said. Well, this next article is about, the." uh, it's entitled, Contaminated Vaccines Put India's Polio free status at risk. And this comes from the Times of India by Sushmi Day, October 1st, 2018. And the highlights are at least three batches of polio vaccines containing 1.5 LAKH vials. I'm not sure what that measuring unit, that unit of measurement is have been found contaminated with type 2 polio virus. The health ministry and the World Health Organization have stepped up surveillance, particularly in UP, Maharashtra, and Telang, Telangana, where the contaminated vaccines were administered to children. New Delhi, that's a city, the large city in uh, India. Uh, I think it's the, actually the capital New Delhi, at least three batches of polio vaccines containing 1.5 LAKH vials have been found contaminated with type 2 2 polio virus, putting at risk India's quote-unquote polio-free status as children born after April 2016 when the type 2 virus was withdrawn worldwide, including in India. Do not have immunity to this particular virus, sources said. The health ministry and the World Health Organization have stepped up surveillance, particularly in Uttar Pradesh, Maharashtra, and Telangana, where the contaminated vaccines were administered to children. The vaccines were manufactured by Ghaziabad-based firm Biomed, as reported by TOI in its September 29th edition quote the contamination can have various serious ramifications on public health because it is tantamount to reintroducing into the community a virus that had been eradicated the World Health Organization and health authorities are keeping a close watch for any active strain of the virus in stool samples or in sewage and quote a senior official said. The ministry has set up a three-member committee to probe how the eradicated virus got introduced again, even after orders for its destruction from the manufacturing and supply chain. The panel has been asked to submit its report within a week. While the biomed managing director was arrested on Thursday, four of its directors are absconding The official said the drugs controller general of India has filed an FIR and issued a showcase notice that the company asked it to stop manufacturing till further orders. According to experts, all polio vaccines contain live polio viruses that are shed by vaccinated children in their stool. Now, the government regulatory authorities and medical practitioners are worried that if type 2 virus passes into the sewage or water system, it may regain neurovirulence and spread polio. Quote, another major risk of the virus mutation, which is a common phenomenon in three to six months, end quote, the official said. So, within just three to six months, the article is saying that the virus could mutate. And uh, this type 2 of polio is being found in folks now that it can only be found in the vaccine it's not being spread from any other source now just let that sink in now continuing the article earlier trivalent polio vaccines containing type 1 2 and 3 were in use but after the type 2 polio virus was eradicated worldwide governments switched to a bivalent vaccines meaning uh, it's containing only type 1 and type 3 viruses, bivalent carrying, containing only two of the strains of polio, which, uh, again, type 1 and type 3. In 2016, India, in line with world health guidance, had ordered withdrawal and destruction of all trivalent OPV stocks by April 2016, OPV meaning oral polio vaccine stocks. Biomed supplied polio vaccines for the government's universal immunization program. The contamination was first suspected when the surveillance report from UP showed signs of the virus and stool samples of some children. Following these reports, samples of OPV vaccines, oral polio vaccines, were lifted by drug inspectors and sent for testing to the central drug laboratory in Casoli, which confirmed the contamination. Though the government has ordered immunization of children with additional doses of dose, doses in three states, it is difficult to identify those children quickly, the official said. In March 2014, India was officially declared quote unquote polio free by the World Health Organization. The last case of wild polio virus, type two, in the country was in 1999. However, India continues to maintain a highly sensitive surveillance system for, for, for polio. All cases of paralysis with sudden onset in children up to 15 years, which is called acute flaccid paralysis, or AFP, are picked up by the polio surveillance network. Each of these cases is followed up and stool samples tested for polio virus in World Health Organization who uh, in, uh, in World Health Organization accredited laboratories. In addition, sewage samples are collected from over three thirty sites across the country for polio virus detection at regular intervals. And that concludes that story. Give me just one moment. Um, and I will get right back to you. Okay. Now, the, um, there are various names for polio that, um, uh, you know, the, the acute, acute flaccid paralysis and, and acute flaccid myelitis and, and uh, quite a few others. And um, let's see if I'm able to locate those at just the moment uh, yeah, uh, we'll have to get back to that some other time. But, you know, really it depends on the country that uh, the, the name for the diagnosis for the very same symptoms. So, to avoid any confusion, that is why they uh, also call it different things other than just polio. So, you know, you hear the argument often well, we eradicated polio with vaccines. Well, Obviously, polio is being reintroduced by vaccines because type 2 is the only strain that is in the vaccine, and it's making a reemergence in India. Okay, well, um, sorry for the delay, folks. We have on the line a uh, guest calling in Tanja Vidovic, who's instrumental on September 5th, as we covered in the previous shows, the uh, videotaping that she'll tell us about here in just a moment at Felipe Park, which started this whole urgent move to end the use of glyphosate-based herbicides in Pinellas County and hopefully uh, perhaps starting with municipalities in Pinellas County. So, uh, Tanja, are you there on the line?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Thank you awesome. for having me. All
0: right. Thanks. Well, you know a lot more than I do about it. I uh, just uh, covered in past shows what happened. So tell us exactly what happened uh, from the beginning, starting on September 5th, was it?
1: Um well you know the incident wasn't really that um that big of a deal to to me as far as what happened I saw them spraying and they were pretty much broadcasting it everywhere and we had stopped and we asked what they were spraying and they'd said roundup and I had noticed, well, there was a few things that I had a problem with. Number one, that they were spraying Roundup in general, like I kind of have a problem with. But number two, they were spraying it really close to the water. Number three, they're spraying it and it was about to rain. Um, number four, they were just broadcasting it and they were hitting a lot of native plants. So wow. I stopped and I, and I I know it was just and they And they were spraying it like um, I found out later in gopher tortoise holes too. They hit about 10 gopher tortoise holes. Um so wouldn't so, that be
0: a felony? That's what I was I was seeing those pictures of all the uh, dead foliage around those gopher tortoise holes. So, since gopher tortoises are endangered species, wouldn't those would those each be uh, felonies?
1: So the problem is, is the EPA has it as a class E, which is not dangerous. So, they're, and they're supposed to be voting this year to recategorize it as something that is a is a dangerous product. Um, So they haven't recategorized it yet, so when I called and reported it, they said that there's nothing they can do because it is classified as the Class E. So it's, unfortunately, it's listed as it's fine for everybody. (laughs) Um, So it was only probably about a, maybe a 30-second conversation that I had with the employees who were spraying from, um, I I think it's um, Southern Chemtree. where I said, you know, I I questioned them. I said, well, you're spraying, and you're spraying all over this whole area, and I've noticed that you sprayed a lot of natives. And I, I asked them, I was like, do you know what this is? And they didn't know what the majority of the native plants that were right there in front of them. They knew what one was, beautyberry. But the rest of them, they didn't know. So I... So I called. I got um, this woman Lisa's phone number from Pinellas County, and she. We had a prob- We had a longer conversation, but still not that long. Where I was asking her, and she said they've been using them for twenty years, and this one week that they were paying these people to spray, they were they were spending nine thousand dollars for one week to spray this park, and they didn't do the whole park. They did the perimeter of where you're walking and playing. So. Uh, which is crazy because they're spending that much money, they're not covering the entire park. Number two, they're doing it for 20 years and it still hasn't really done anything, so why continue to use it? Number three, why are you just spraying it where people are playing? Like there was just, and then she also told me that it was more dangerous to use salt or vinegar for the animals than um, than to use Roundup. Which, so I, I, (laughs) I know it was just, it was a lot of information where I was just dumbfounded. I was like, well, it's not, it's not accurate. I was like, this stuff isn't, you know, it's known to cause cancer. And then she disagreed. She said that it was completely safe. Um, Which, I mean, and that's what we've been told, of course, that it's not safe and that, you know, obviously we need to change our practices. So, um, I, I told the employees, I was like, look, you guys don't really know what natives are around the area. I'm going to hang out cause I'm actually free for the next couple of hours and I will, um, I'm just going to watch. And if I see you guys spraying a native, I'm going to tell you that that's a native plant. And, um, mm. I sat down on the picnic table for, you know, probably about 10, 15 feet away from them. And then they, they stopped working. So I assumed that they were taking a break. And um, for that probably 30 second to one minute conversation that I had with them um, they called the police on me so about 20 minutes later the police show up and that woman Lisa shows up too
0: that's the Pinellas County Sheriff
1: yes yes the Pinellas County Sheriff's Department and so I and I I recorded I recorded these two conversations um, and they tell me that well at first they they said um, that, you know, this is – they're using best practices or whatever. And so I'm recording it, and they said, well, we would like for you to stop harassing them. And I'm, like, harassing them? Like, I'm not harassing them at all. It was, like, a very short conversation. I remain civil. Like, I, I'm i talking to – like, I recorded it. I'm, like, I'll show it to you. I'm talking to them like I'm talking right now. And uh, they, And as soon as they said, I'm not harassing them, they trespassed me. And they said I wasn't allowed back in the park.
0: Um, Wow, so the police weren't uh, even receptive to watching your video.
1: See, the problem is is that the police, and when I questioned them about it, they said they're just doing what they're told. And that is my problem, is that, well, that's one of the problems, (sighs) I feel, is that the police weren't even willing to mediate. You know what I mean? Like they weren't willing to take sides and say, you know what? She's not really doing anything. She's just sitting there. She's allowed to question like, this is a park. So instead they were just said, we're just doing what we're told. So they did trespass wow. me. And, but the video ended up getting like 14,000 views. And so many people called that they rescinded the trespass, um, the following week. So I am Excellent. allowed back in the parks now. Yeah. They, Cause it's my park. I go through that park six times a day. Um, So, but the problem is, is that, I mean, it's, it's open to conversation and they're spraying this product in every single Pinellas park. So there's other options out there. And I, I mean, I feel like we should be using them obviously. That's
0: it. Yeah. um, Yeah. There, there are those other options, uh, you know, hand pulling the weeds or uh, vinegar. We've, Talked about them in the past, you know, vinegar and salt and um, detergent, uh, preferably plant-based. Um, I don't know if you – do you have any other uh, safe alternatives?
1: So the, so there's 20 different countries that ban this product. And, you know, it's funny. When I started questioning it, they said, well, there there's some areas that they don't use Roundup, but they use Mad Dog. I don't know what Mad Dog is, but it doesn't sound any better. Um, so I my problem, again, is we're not protecting – the Earth, like this is a place we have to leave. Like sh- live short-term solutions where we're putting poison in there, and that's obviously causing a lot of long-term problems. I don't think we should be using. I mean, with the twenty countries that ban it, and multiple states in the United States that have it that have it banned, like we should see what they're doing. I mean, there's everything from hand pulling. Because while I watched them work, um, I could have hand pulled more than what they were able to spray. So they could be using that funding that they're paying this company to actually pay somebody to pull the weeds and actually get the weeds out at the base, versus just killing the foliage and then they come, it comes right back. Um, so they could pay mm. people to hand pull it. They could also use machines. And then, I mean, then there's um, this handheld torches that, again, killing it at the killing it at the base and uh, digging it up or whatever afterwards. Um, I know that they use prescribed burns um, in Hillsborough County. Sometimes um, there's other solutions. Like I feel like a chemical application should be the last, the last option, not the first go-to standard.
0: Well, especially glyphosate-based herbicides, and um, if anyone, first off, if anyone would like to uh, get in touch with Tanja, we only have Tanja Vidovic for a limited time, you can reach us here at 727-441-3000, that's 727-441-3000, and 866-826-1340, that's 866-T-A-N-1340. The show website is theliberationstation.com, that's T-H-E, liberationstation.com, and And uh, also, what about those contractors who were spraying the Roundup, the aquatic Roundup? Weren't they basically unprotected, right?
1: Um, Well, you know, and that's funny, too, because they had, um, I think, they had boots on, and I want to say that one of them had gloves on, and that's all you're required because, again, the EPA has it categorized as not dangerous. So, but in reality they should be wearing like some sort of respiratory protection. And, you know, it's funny with my, with my job, um, I actually went to a person that, that same week who was spraying um, herbicides at a personal, um, at at somebody's personal property. And um, they actually got so sick. They, they passed out and hit their head and like had a, a laceration in the back of their, their head because of it. Like it's obviously it's, it's it's not good to be around. So I feel bad for these guys. Even when they when they trespass me, I was like, "Look, like you guys should protect yourselves. Like even if it's even if it's not, you know, um, you know, even if it's not a standard to do, and if they're not regulating it and making you do it, that you should be protecting your your lungs, your respiratory tract.
0: Right. I mean, you'd think that they learned from uh, the settlement that. Uh about two months ago when you see dwayne lee johnson who won the settlement which monsanto is now appealing uh, monsanto soon to be part of bear um you know you could see all the horrible um ulcers all, all over his skin he's terminal and uh because monsanto is appealing it though he'll probably never get to see it in his lifetime although his estate i believe will be victorious will prevail so um
2: yeah I would hope of- that
0: they would uh, I, I hope that he would you know in his case was chosen by the likes of uh, Robert yeah. F. Kennedy Jr because they wanted him to have relief be some relief economically before
2: mm-hmm.
0: he dies and to be an example for others so uh, that this is what will happen to you if if you're not warned about the uses of glyphosate.
1: Well- exactly, and especially because it's coming up, like I would assume that all the local governments and the local elected officials would demand that we stop use immediately until until it's researched further and until it's like until they change the classification because like right now that's what they use in all of our parks where we play, which is terrifying. So and then also I mean that's the thing is that's one lawsuit. I mean, there's almost nine thousand lawsuits right now against Masanto.
0: Oh, nine thousand! Wow, I thought it was uh, around five thousand last time I checked. <laughs> but also, I know that uh, there are. Uh, last time I checked, about a week ago, the hundred eighty-eight communities throughout the country who have outlawed the use or stopped the use uh, can't really, technically, legally say banned because of uh, as we've explained uh, two shows ago, September twenty-fifth. that State law prevents the banning, but you can persuade a municipality to uh, stop the use. Not use it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, but the police just trespass warning you seems to show how the chemical industrial complex, uh, agricultural chemical industrial complex you know, it seems to be beyond reproach. And I'm so glad you're recorded uh, as your own alibi. Um, you know, I've had encounters with those claiming authority over me in the past, and it's important to... Um, have at least two recording devices if you can say one to play back and the other as a backup but you know one to play to the police and uh, or anybody else interested to show what has just occurred but then a second camera to keep the video recording as you play back and also to stream online if possible say through youtube live or facebook live or their other services like periscope and to uh, make sure you have backup batteries and you know because i'm really surprised that uh, the police didn't ask you to erase your recording. I mean, if they're going to trespass warn you, maybe they would go a little further and ask you as they've asked other people to erase your recording, lest they arrest you, or even after arrest, they tell you to erase your recording. So I'm just you know throwing out all these tips for uh, the community and uh, to understand how to protect our rights. Um, you know, you can have an extra memory card, uh, memory chip, because if you do erase your video then you can take it out replace it with a new memory card continue recording as long as nobody sees you take out the original memory chip and then uh, recover the data that you've deleted saying you know the police say uh, i order you to delete this video or i'll arrest you for wiretapping as they often do which doesn't apply of course and there are programs like recover r-e-c-u-v-a that you can use to put in your install on your computer. Then you plug in your phone, your mobile device, your camera into your computer, and with Recover, or just plug the chip into your computer, and with Recover or other programs, you can recover the data. It's still there. It's just when you delete it that the index is deleted, but the data is still there. So you can tell the police, oh my gosh, oh, oh well, you're such a tyrant, but I'll delete it because I don't want to go to jail golly gee, and then, uh, you know, secretly continue recording if you have an extra memory chip. So these are all tips that um, I just want the audience to know that they're they're not helpless if they have these backup plans. And doing a radio show, you should know that I have to have backups to my backups. So this is how I, my mind thinks. Some folks might think sure. I overprepare, but, you know.
1: What you know, they,
0: they can't destroy, another right. thing, they can't destroy, you, you can warn them, they can't destroy the evidence because you're streaming online. That's another uh, important point, and often the, their behavior will improve at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely, I, I agree with that. Um, but my problem is that I, I wish that I had insisted on giving a, um, having them take my side of the story down, because when they trespassed me, when I, when I read the police report, I mean, they interviewed pretty much everybody there but me. And they wrote down that I was, I was following them for days and that I had was using, <laughs> that I was yelling at them and using vulgarities, which was inaccurate. <laughs> it you could show that. From the truth. Well, yes. Yeah, so when right. And I offered, yeah. I offered, I called the, I called the lieutenant and the sergeant and, um, and i offered to i was like look i will i'll bring in my phone and you can see the videos and they said no that it was closed and that they refused to take my statement so they so then so so this is permanently there under my name that says that i was following somebody using vulgarities and and screaming at them when it's that that's not true and they refused to actually um we even watched the videos that had the proof on there, and it was funny when I called the Parks Department and asked them. The woman who was there, Lisa, um, she told her boss that 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 was inaccurate as well, and then they still, um, they still refused to change it in the police report.
0: Well, that's certainly a criminal in uh, the statutes. I'm not sure the statute number for Florida statutes, but filing a false police report, especially when you can prove it, and you could give that inf- give the videos to the uh, state attorney. You can drop off a DVD of the of the occurrence, uh, uh, the incident, and you can email them. Uh, you know, I've had issues with the police before. I've offered to, you know, I say, okay, well, in this hit and run, let me just email it. To, oh, we we can't accept email. Well, I've emailed your chief of police before. He has an email up on. Website, so uh, oh well, we're we're not allowed to open websites up, and they give every excuse in the book. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. You gotta just keep fighting. So, um, and we're right reaching the end of the hour, Tanja. Is there anything uh, would you like to continue uh, hold to hold on the line and continue with this the story and this effort to end life the, glyph- the use of glyphosate.
1: Um, well, the only thing that I would like to add is definitely email your email your commissioners, email your parks department, let them know how you feel, um, and definitely go to city commission meetings and demand that they stop the use of it. Um, I actually, I'm at the end of my line <laughs> for the day, too. So, but thank you for having me on. And, um, you know, you. there's, yeah, no, definitely. Thank you. And then there's... um. Jungle Jay also is running a little group. He put together a group for, I, I think we're going to try to go to a few local commission meetings together as a as a unit. So hopefully
0: Great. people can join. Great, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd like to. Um, I'm uh, up in the state of flux right now, but I've certainly been to a few county commission meetings in, in the past, uh, uh, on water fluoridation mostly. But, um, yeah, that's uh, that Facebook group that uh, Jungle J Hardman has set up is Stop Poisoning Pinellas. And we will link that um, to the show page. And, uh, I think we've done it on the past uh, couple of shows. And uh, what else will we have linked here? My mind is really, so. um Oh, yes. And you are uh, on WMNF. On um, trying to, do you remember the dates? I'm trying to pull it up here.
1: Um, I I don't. It was the week of um the the September 5th. So it would have been I am it would have been midpoint. Um, or radioactivity radioactivity with Rob, and then I was on Women's Point of View talking about it that that next Monday, and then um sustainable living we discussed it as well.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't know about that. So you've been on three WMNF shows. I'll have to find the link to that uh, and then post it up, uh, post that post that also up on the, the one show from website. From woman's
1: point of view is amazing because they have that um, that that MIT biologist who has been studying it and, and like researching it for however many the, the past few yeah. years. So Stephanie so, Seneff. Yeah. So she is, yeah. Um, so she did a did a whole interview on the same show
0: great so stephanie seneff did appear there on a woman's point of view
1: yes it was a, well it was via she didn't come down <laughs> she's uh-huh. Jesus. um but yeah so sure. she was on the show though and did an interview
0: right she says that at the current rate of autism then we'll end up uh, with half of everyone diagnosed with autism uh, newborns by 2025 so uh, yeah she's uh, a pioneer in that field in other ways too yeah, well, Tanja, yeah. thanks so much, and uh, you're welcome back anytime.
1: Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. All right. You take great care. Okay. We'll be right okay. back here on the Liberation Station radio show. The site is theliberationstation.com. And welcome back to the Liberation Station radio show with Chris Steiner, your host. That was Anastasia performing Calling All Angels. And the numbers to reach us here are 727-441-3000. That's 727-441-3000. And 866-826-1340. That's 866-TAN-1340. When you go to the site at theliberationstation.com, please be sure to click the donate button to keep us on the air because, as you noticed, we have no sponsors. I'm paying for the airtime. And it takes hours, often more than a day or two, to organize the show. A lot of over-preparation takes place. A lot of material gets left on the cutting room floor hopefully for a future show because there's so much information out there and so much prioritization and so much uh, website updating to do. I try to do a good job and to my liking and uh, give as much information that you can find on the website for each show where you can find the show notes and the guest notes and the material that we cover and, um, links to videos and uh, just all sorts of material I try to include you know the clinical studies that we mentioned and uh, want to reference everything so it doesn't sound like uh, we're just making it up normally I'd have a credentialed or degreed authority but I'm so glad that Tanja Vidovic joined in the last hour because her experience is much more valuable and her bravery bears out that you can really call attention to the issue that is so important that uh, others just think is meaningless when to them it's really poison that they're uh, that's in their environment that they're avoiding uh, just can't look at it's very unfortunate for them but uh, I'm so in admiration of Tanja's courage and uh, sticking up for this effort and it it just goes to show that when those who do try to suppress information it only makes it bigger it's called the band in boston effect folks just want to go see what the matter is all about or it's also called the streisand effect because streisand barbara streisand didn't want her mansion to be posted online so uh made folks want to look it up and check it out. Now it's all over (laughs) the internet, aerial photos. It's also called the Tarkin effect, where a grand moff Tarkin was told by Princess Leia that uh, the tighter you squeeze, the more star systems will slip through your grasp. That was long, long ago in a galaxy far away, but now we are bringing it up to the date and it applies just as much so um what uh, another action item that we can pursue on ending glyphosate is forming a political action committee if say a city council or county commission doesn't vote in accordance with the popular belief then they can form a political action committee that I th- feel is is much uh, much it's much more difficult for sure, but uh, I feel it's much more uh, advantageous because uh, only a political action committee can number one circulate petitions and if successful. And I, by the way, a political action committee is not a non for profit. So a a PAC can circulate petitions, and if successful at gaining enough qualified signatures of qualified voters, then two, place the petition initiative on the next ballot. And if that's successful, three, amend a city charter, a county charter, or even a state constitution. Petition circulators are compensated for their hard work. And an initiative can be phrased to specifically prevent any and all forms of forced pesticiding or, say, forced medication in the case of water fluoridation or uh, vaccination. Uh, San Marcos, Texas, was successful in in that way in, in 2015 and Portland, Oregon in 2013 you uh, Bev Harris, uh, we, who we had on the show, September 4th, 2018 edition. You can find it at theliberationstation.com, the archives. And her site is blackboxvoting.org. She was featured in the popular HBO documentary entitled Hacking Democracy. She helped in the effort for San Marcos, Texas, to end water fluoridation in 2015 through the use of a political action committee, which means no thanks to the city council, and um, it's not uh, it's it's not a not for profit. So people who uh, circulate petitions and work for the political action committee are compensated for their hard work. Uh, Bev Harris told me on April 21st and again on the September, April 21st, 2016, uh, her appearance on the Power Hour radio show, thepowerhour.com, with Joyce Riley, the late Joyce Riley, who I dearly miss, Um, and also on the uh, September 4th show of this radio show. She told me that uh, to discourage election rigging, we can document attempts at it by not only having plenty of poll watchers, but also what's needed are central tabulator watchers. That's what's prevented vote rigging that was apparently attempted at 2015 in, in San Marcos, Texas, when they did successfully, and the use of and uh, water fluoridation. So this amendment process is rigorous, but if it's successful, We can overcome the control of city councils, county commissions, and state legislatures. Plus, the same rigorous process and not the whims of said legislators is required for an amendment to be repealed. So that's another benefit for a political action committee. So, yeah, another thing is that when a political action committee is formed and the legislators can see that the writing is on the wall, that they are going to – that the citizens are going to have their way one way or another, well, sometimes the legislators will suddenly give in and say, okay, well, we'll vote the way that you tell us to finally. And they do that in order to retain control over the issue. So uh, that makes the political action committee at that point on that particular issue makes it a moot point. And that is uh, the reason that they do that. So, um, you know, hey, uh, I'm all for victory at whatever cost. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I really uh, wish that uh, despite the overwhelming majority that we had against water fluoridation in 2013, the the county commission would have voted in accordance with the popular belief to end water fluoridation and the reason that was brought to a vote was because in 2011 we were successful in pinellas county ending water fluoridation but in 2012 there are two new county commissioners elected who were uh they were um Charlie Justice and Janet Long, and they ran on the platform that if they were elected that they would bring it to a vote, which they did. And fortunately for, um, it was a 970 WFLA AM radio. They called me, it was Dennis Pavlik who called me the day before the vote because I had emailed him among other media outlets to let him know that the vote was coming up and why we should vote or why they, the county commission, should vote against reintroducing water fluoridation. And uh, so Dennis Pavla conducted a very fair phone interview. And on the day of the vote in 2013, he or they played at uh, 970 WFLA played excerpts of that interview every half hour on the news break saying uh, Chris Steiner is uh, in opposition to water fluoridation and then uh, explained a little bit of why. And and, uh, every half hour there was an excerpt of that interview. So I really credit that. Uh, with night 70 WFLA airing my interview, excerpts of the interview every half hour on the news break, with the overwhelming majority of folks who showed up that day, probably on short notice. They were probably first heard about that vote. And you know, so many folks are awake these days as to why water fluoridation is so terrible. It's a carcinogen, it's a neurotoxin, it lowers IQ. their Harvard studies, Dartmouth College studies. Um, just all sorts of, uh, Lance the Lancet has a medical journal, British medical journal known as the Lancet. It has uh, st- all these excellent studies and plenty more. That's something that we will do, dedicate a whole show to. But if you'd like to, in the meantime, do more research, go to the links page at theliberationstation.com. That's T-H-E, liberationstation.com. We have a whole section on safer water and dentistry. And uh, mercury-free, fluoride-free dentistry. It all seems to be one issue, and uh, there's lots and decades and decades worth of research there, plus a lot of breaking research on websites that are posted there. Uh, Seems like the single best website is the Fluoride Action Network at fluoridealert.org. That's fluoridealert.org. And before I move on to the next article on glyphosate, you can reach us here at 727-441-3000. That's 727-441-3000. Toll free 866-826-1340. That's 866-TAN-1340. And I am your host, Chris Steider. Next article, Monsanto's Global Weed Killer Harms Honeybees Research Finds. This is from The Guardian, dated September 24th, 2018. Glyphosate, the most used pesticide ever, damages the good bacteria in honeybee guts, making them more prone to deadly infections. And this article is by Damian Carrington. The world's most used weed killer damages the beneficial bacteria in the guts of honeybees and makes them more prone to deadly infections, new research has found. Previous studies have shown that pesticides such as neonicotinoids cause harm to bees, whose pollination is vital to about three-quarters of all food crops. Glyphosate, manufactured by Monsanto, targets an enzyme only found in plants and bacteria. However, the new study shows that glyphosate damages the microbiota, meaning the microbiome or the good bacteria that are present, that honeybees need to grow and to fight off pathogens, which are harmful germs. The findings show glyphosate, the most used agricultural chemical ever, may be contributing to the global decline in bees along with the loss of habitat. Quote, we demonstrated that the abundance of dominant gut microbiota species are decreased in bees exposed to glyphosate at concentrations documented in the environment, end quote, said Eric Moda and colleagues from University of Texas at Austin in their new paper. They found that young worker bees exposed to glyphosate exposure died more often when later exposed to common bacterium. Other research from China and published in July showed that honeybee larvae grew more slowly and died more often when exposed to glyphosate. And this article links to that study. An earlier study in 2015 showed that the exposure of adult bees to the herbicide at levels found in fields quote, impairs the cognitive capacities needed for a successful return to the hive end quote and so i'll interject that probably means that it's contributing to colony collapse disorder where the hives just go vacant as neonicotinoids mentioned earlier is also a contributor continuing the article quote the biggest impact of glyphosate on bees is the destruction of the wildflowers on which they depend end quote said matt Charlotte at conservation group Bug Life, quote, evidence to date suggests direct toxicity to bees is fairly low. However, the new study clearly demonstrates that pesticide use can have significant unintended consequences. Professor David Gu- Dave Goulson at the University of Sussex said, quote, it now seems that we have to add glyphosate to the list of problems that bees face. This study is also further evidence that the landscape scale application of large quantities of pesticides has negative consequences that are often hard to predict end quote however oliver jones a chemist at rmit university in melbourne australia said quote to my mind the doses of glyphosate used were rather high the paper shows that the, sh- the paper shows only that glyphosate can potentially interfere with the bacteria in the bee gut not that it actually does so in the environment end quote a spokesman for monsanto by the way they're the manufacturers of glyphosate which is found commonly in roundup said quote Claims that glyphosate has a negative impact on honeybees are simply not true. No large-scale study has found any link between glyphosate and the decline of the honeybee population. More than 40 years of robust, independent scientific evidence shows that it poses no unreasonable risk for humans, animals, and the environment generally, end quote. The new research published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, and there's a link, found that some of the key beneficial bacteria in bees' guts have the enzyme that is targeted by glyphosate. It also found that the ability of newly emerged worker bees to develop a normal gut biome was impaired by glyphosate exposure. Harm to gut bacteria by glyphosate exposure has also been shown in a pilot study in rats. And there's a link to that. Quote, gut bacteria play a vital role in maintaining good health in organisms as diverse as bees and humans, quote, said Wilson, quote, the finding that these bacteria are sensitive to the most widely used pesticide in the world is thus concerning, end quote. People are known to widely consume glyphosate residues in foods such as children's breakfast cereals, but the health impact is controversial. In August, a U.S. court ordered Monsanto to pay $289 million in damages after a jury ruled that the weed killer caused a terminally ill man's cancer. His name is Dwayne Lee Johnson. The, com- the company filed papers to dismiss the case on September 19, 2018. The weed killer sold his Roundup, won a short shortened five-year lease in the eu in 2017. in 2015 the world health organization's cancer agency the IARC declared glyphosate quote probably carcinogenic to humans end quote although several international agencies subsequently came to oppose conclusions pardon me, subsequently came to opposite conclusions. Monsanto insists glyphosate is safe. And that concludes that article from the London Guardian. Moving on to the next article. I will be right with you. This is uh, out of Vaxter V-A-X-X-T-E-R dot com. New Zealand parents say rotavirus vaccine nearly killed their baby, dated October first, 2018. The rotavirus vaccine is one of the most popular immunizations on the schedule. While it is mostly an understated part of the vaccine process, some parents in New Zealand are raising awareness for the vaccine's potential deadly side. David and Sonia Cooper were interviewed in the New Zealand herald following their infants battle with the rotavirus vaccine side effects quote ripped to shreds with stress end quote they said as their baby was whisked away by surgeons at Auckland Starship Children's Hospital while their baby Jude made it through surgery he remains under close watch by hospital staff Sonia says that following the rotavirus vaccine Jude changed Quote, he started refusing feeds. His nappies dried up, and he was constantly grisly, lethargic, and spent his day flopped in pain in my arms. End quote. He was vomiting and his condition and his condition worsened. Symptoms were seemingly derived from the rotavirus vaccine. Jude was initially sent home with a gastro bug diagnosis, only to return three days. later, after he was unable to keep his milk down. And I just had a little computer bug, so control room, let me know if you have any problem reaching me or uh, reading me. I think I'm coming through okay, sounds. Okay. So, you know, we hear these types of stories very often from from uh, vaccines, we from various vaccines that the the child uh, doesn't uh, respond. They just stop feeding. They they don't cry, and um, they they just um, stop uh, making eye contact, or they just uh, sit in the corner, and and that's why this show I like to focus on the various remedies, the the various. Um, Alleged remedies, I should say. I'm not a practicing physician, but there are many things that give us hope. And uh, some of those uh, detoxification items you can find on the detox blog at the website at theliberationstation.com. Just go onto the sidebar on the left side and you'll find on the blog section the detox blog. One of them i really like and can't repeat more often enough is calcium bentonite clay that's very very helpful for detoxifying a variety of things including heavy metals and i'm having a little bit of difficulty here so uh control room i can't communicate with you uh Liquid is being rolled out, and we're going to talk about the health hazards of Wi-Fi and microwave radiation, which will become even worse with 5G. We're at 4G now, and 5G is being rolled out currently in this country. So go right ahead and please play that clip.
3: Today is September the 30th, 2018. We are going to be talking about 5G today and how Messiah Trump, who was sent by God and can do no wrong, is going to be responsible for its implementation. If this is a new topic for you, I am going to explain it briefly. 5G is the new cellular network that is coming onto the market. We are currently on the 4G network. 4G works in conjunction with Wi-Fi, which is our wireless system. Wi-Fi is going to be updated, and that new system is called YGig. 5G and YGig will work in conjunction with one another. The immediate solution to dealing with this problem is to not put a YGig router in your home and to never get 5G phones. The TV is going to tell you that this 5G is the most wonderful thing ever. Because you'll be able to download a two hour long movie in just six seconds. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Trillions of dollars is going to be spent on this infrastructure. And do you really believe that this is being put in so you can have faster downloads? That's the hook. That's the opiate of the masses. It's how they are going to get you to buy things you don't need to impress people you don't like. Here is the real reason why this is coming. 5G is going to power artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is going to control the Internet of Things. The Internet of Things is the idea that everything in the world is on the Internet. From your dishwasher, to your toaster, to your doorbell, to the street lights outside, to the trash cans, and even all the newer cars. I have no desire to live in a world where everything is on the internet. What happens if there is a power outage? What happens if the internet drops? Are we going to just stop all life until those systems get back up and running? AI and the Internet of Things is going to unleash autonomous robots into our society. Some of those robots are going to take your job. The people who worship at the altar of Trump need to look at the bigger picture. Yeah, the stock market is way up because of Federal Reserve policy as well as consumer confidence. Unemployment is at record lows, which we know is a phony number. No matter how great you think Trump in this economy is, he is going to be responsible for the loss of almost every job in America to robotics because it is his administration that is streamlining this technology. This article that I made a video on previously states that 5G is going to be used to implement the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, also known as Agenda 2030. But if President Trump is against the United Nations and globalism, then why is he giving us the technology that will be used to carry out the United Nations mission? Now, as I said, the TV is going to tell you that this is the greatest thing ever. Yet the country that invented 5G, Israel, is not putting 5G in their country. This is an industry trade publication that shows us who is getting 5G and who is not getting 5G. And guess what? Israel isn't getting it. Why do you think that is? If it's so great, shouldn't they be clamoring to get it first? No, because they know the truth. 5G produces millimeter waves. Millimeter waves are a weapon invented by the military. The TSA body scanners at the airport use millimeter waves to x-ray you. So if you put this stuff in your home, it will be like you're sitting in an x-ray machine all day. This stuff is dangerous, and the government is refusing to test it for human health. That is why I have a problem with this. But President Trump's people, you know those swamp people he said he was going to drain, are saying full steam ahead. And while you were all fixated on Kavanaugh and fell for the Lindsey Graham deception, the White House was having a meeting plotting our future of AI, robots, and most of us getting sick. Trump officials on 5G. Bring it on, private sector. A White House summit Friday focuses on ways to spur companies to invest in the next-gen networks, like through tax cuts and less red tape. The Trump administration is all-in on 5G and wants policymakers to do what they can to unleash private investment in the next generation networks. So look at the language they are using here. All-in. Unleash. They are forcing technology down our throats. The White House on Friday hosted a 5G summit, its first major event around 5G, while you were all distracted by the Kavanaugh hearings to bring together industry executives, government agency heads, lawmakers, and President Trump's advisors to discuss policies to ensure faster deployment of the next-generation wireless technology. Anytime you see the word deploy you need to know that militaries deploy against an enemy. So when you see that word, that means something bad is happening. FCC Chairman Ajit Pai, David Reddell, head of NTIA, John Thune, the South Dakota Republican who chairs the Senate Commerce Committee, and Larry Kudlow, Director of the National Economic Council, were among several speakers at the event. Why wasn't this broadcast on national television? Why was it kept so hush-hush? This should have been all over the TV, but it wasn't! The fifth generation of cellular technology, or 5G, is seen as a potential game-changer because of its heightened speed, responsiveness, and ability to handle a myriad of connected devices, a.k.a. the Internet of Things. Beyond giving you a much faster connection, because they're doing you a favor, a much faster connection on your phone, 5G could serve as a communications foundation for emerging technologies, such as streaming virtual reality experiences. Yeah, because we really got to sit around in our homes with a freaking box on our head. The new networks are expected to contribute $275 billion in new investment and $500 billion in economic growth, as well as potentially 3 million new jobs. So I showed you that graphic earlier in the video where it says we're probably going to lose 75 million jobs by 2025, which is the entirety of two two terms of a Trump presidency. So we're going to trade 3 million temporary jobs for the loss of 75 million jobs around the country. Isn't that a great deal, Mr. President? The White House summit comes several months after a report surfaced in January that the administration was considering a plan to build a nationalized 5G network to counter Chinese threats to U.S. economic and Internet security, according to the news site Axios. The notion, which had reportedly only been discussed at a low level within the administration, was criticized by Trump's own Federal Communications Commission. The administration backed away from the idea. But now, the Trump administration is focused on how to encourage private sector investment in 5G. So in other words, they're going to do it anyway, instead of doing it directly by government, they're doing it directly through the private sector. Cudlow, who replaced Gary Cohn as White House economic advisor, reiterated Trump's mantra of America first when it comes to 5G. He talked up Trump's policies to lower taxes and cut regulations as a way to spur private sector investment. Let it rip, he said, as he talked about creating incentives for wireless companies to build networks and innovate in 5G. Pi head of the FCC, whose agency oversees the allocation of wireless spectrum that will be used to build 5G networks, laid out his so-called 5G FAST plan, which he said was a plan to facilitate America's superiority in 5G technology. The plan includes three key solutions. Bring up more spectrum, promoting wireless infrastructure, and modernizing regulations. Pai described the work his agency has already been doing to free up additional wireless spectrum, including the first auction of airwaves designed for 5G later this year. It's already the end of the year. As well as changes to rules adopted just this week that limit the fees local governments can charge wireless carriers to deploy 5G infrastructure, because this is a weapon and the repeal of popular net neutrality rules, which he said was part of modernizing regulations. Specifically replacing replacing Obama-era regulations, which he said treated the internet like a slow-moving utility under rules developed in the 1930s, with a consistent national policy for broadband providers, would encourage investment in infrastructure such as 5G. So, I'm not going to keep going on with this, but there's one thing that I do want to say about this. Every time I make any video negative about Trump, I hear the same thing in the comments. Well, what, man? You think Hillary should be president instead, bro? No, I do not think Hillary should be president. I am as happy as anyone that the Clintons are not living in the White House right now. But here's one thing that I do know for a fact. If the Clintons were in the White House, all of you would be opposed to 5G. All of you would be opposed to getting a real ID, national ID card. But because Trump is in the White House, you guys are getting real ID, national ID cards and seem to have no problem with this. And you know what that means? That means that the people who say that Trump is a controlled puppet who was installed, they have a really good argument. Because that's why puppets get installed. So agendas can get through like 5G and national ID cards. I think I've said enough.
0: Well, I want to hear more from him, but uh, that's uh, that was quite a good presentation there we're back on Skype, had a little computer problem, so thanks, Vaughn, in the control room for having that ready to go. Yeah, 5G is a huge concern because they will be, as we uh, had Kevin Motis on to talk about, that they're going to have these 5G towers every 2 to 10 homes, every 100 meters or so, so basically, they're going to be able to fry everybody with microwaves. Well, they can already do that, but they'll be able to do it more effectively. It is freaking me out, and that's why I want to see the rollback back not roll out of any further types of microwave transmitters, unshielded microwave communication devices is what your cell phone is, what the cell towers are, and what is happening is that they are resonating with the metals in your body, whether they're beneficial metals or not, whether they're nutritional metals like say iron, zinc, copper, manganese, magnesium, Um, all these uh, will resonate with with microwaves or with uh, electromagnetic field, like microwaves, but uh, also the harmful metals that we are being overloaded with from chemtrails, from vaccines, from our food, from our water, and uh, makes it makes me wonder, it's a miracle how I'm getting along. Well, I do take a lot of supplements, you can see on the website at theliberationstation.com. In the blog section under the Daily Regimen blog, all the supplements I take, most of them I take almost every day. Some of them I miss. Sometimes I miss taking everything but uh, taking all the supplements if I'm in a rush. But then I notice I that I just don't perform as well, don't think as well, and um, I'm in a cr- crummy mood. So... Um, That's why I'm able to function like I am, and I can understand why there's so much hostility when there's heavier chemtrail spraying and uh, just brain fog. People unable to retain information or control their emotions. It's very disturbing to me. And vaccines is another source of heavy metals. Uh, We're going to switch gears back to... Uh, short article, uh, but first very briefly to reiterate uh, what I was talking about in the first hour with a polio story, about polio being reintroduced through the vaccine, through the Times of India article that I read. Polio is, depending on the country, depending on the practitioner, referred to under many names. It's also known as acute flaccid paralysis, as we mentioned, also Guillain-Barre syndrome, transverse myelitis, acute disseminated encephalomyelitis, acute flaccid myelitis, which is diagnosed in the U.S. and uh, discussed on the CDC website, which states uh, the cause is unknown, which means it's idiopathic. So there are all these different names for polio. And uh, folks at ASPO, If it weren't for the vaccine, we wouldn't have gotten rid of polio. Well, we still have polio by other names. That's the thing is they control the language. They control your beliefs. You know, sometimes I think we ought to go back to talking with emojis. If we just used emojis and hieroglyphics, they defy redefinitions. So I think perhaps if we did that or just spoke with charts, then there'd be greater understanding if we avoided using words unless you're uh, suited to telepathy. (laughs) Telepathy is much better communicating my thoughts and and vision visuals as uh, our animals and our pets do. Now this article next is multiple sclerosis development in two teens after HPV vaccination, February 1st, 2018. From a Neurology Advisor. So, this is a mainstream article. The following article is part of the conference coverage from the 2018 ACTRIM's forum in San Diego, California. Neurology advisors staff will be reporting breaking news associated with research conducted by leading experts in neurology check back for the latest news from 8 trims 2018 researchers from the University of Miami presented two cases of multiple sclerosis developing in teens after receiving Gardasil a human papillomavirus vaccine live attenuated vaccines are not recommended for people with MS Gardasil which is quadrivalent human HPV types 6, 11, 16, and 18. Those are strains of HPV, and there are hundreds. <laughs> they, whenever you get an HPV vaccine, you're only being allegedly protected from two to four strains. Anyhow, these are only four that are covered in Gardasil is an inactivated recombinant. Vaccine approved in 2006 for the prevention of HPV infections and related cancers. Since then, several reports of central nervous system demyelinating disease, for example, acute disseminated encephalomyelitis, neuromyelitis optica, clinically isolated syndrome, and MS, have been reported after administration of the vaccine. At the 2018 ACE TRIMS Forum in San Diego, California, study author Yee Hu reported on two teens who experienced MS symptoms one to two weeks after receiving the vaccination. A 14-year-old male started to experience left retroorbital pain and blurred vision in the left eye two weeks after receiving his third dose of Gardasil. He was diagnosed with left optic neuritis and reported a second occurrence two months after his initial symptoms. A 17-year-old female started to experience blurred vision in the right eye two weeks after receiving her first dose of Gardasil. A right frontal enhancing lesion was seen on brain magnetic resonance imaging, or MRI. She was diagnosed with right optic neuritis and did not receive further doses of Gardasil. One week after discharge, she experienced intermittent numbness, and weakness in her lower extremities, in addition to blurred vision on in her inner right eye, a repeat brain MRI revealed a new left parieto-occipital enhancing lesion. And I think I might just stop right there. It's getting rather technical. That's uh, yeah, it goes further. And um, I would just uh, like to cover other news, but uh, these demyelinating. Uh, demyelinating diseases i mentioned meaning that the nervous tissues insulation known as the myelin sheath which is composed mainly of fat that's why having beneficial fats is so important and uh, not eating harmful fats like trans fatty acids and uh, Mm -hmm. having a balance of omega-3-6-9 that's a that's a whole nother show but The demyelinating disease means that the nervous tissue is losing its myelin sheath. That's the insulation. And so when you connect two wires together, they short-circuit. The impulses are lost. And that's what's happening with these demyelinating diseases as a result of the HPV vaccine known as Gardasil. Uh, Next article is um, if you go to... Let's see. If you go to tinyurl.com slash HR3615, we want to ask our congressman to sponsor HR3615. Nobody in their right mind would not want to sponsor this because it's a bill to show the connection or the uh, comparison between vaccinated and unvaccinated children. Can you believe it? There hasn't been such a study. There haven't been studies on... The whole combination of vaccines that are given, there have been studies on individual vaccines, and a lot of them have been rigged, but there haven't been any studies on the whole CDC-recommended schedule that most children receive. So when they have a combination of these vaccines, you'd think that they'd want to know if there are any dangers, but there are no known such studies. Anyhow, that is again, tinyurl.com slash HR3615. That's House Resolution 3615 Vaccine Safety Study Act. To direct the Secretary of Health and Human Services to conduct or support a comprehensive study comparing total health outcomes, including risk of autism in vaccinated populations in the United States with such outcomes in unvaccinated populations in the United States and for other purposes. And you can read the whole bill, still posted up at congress.gov ever since its inception in 2017, last year. I was trying to locate the date for that. So you would think that everybody would be on board with that. Next article is from Children's Health Defense. Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s organization, childrenshealthdefense.org, dated September 17, 2018, infant deaths following vaccination. The numbers don't lie, or do they? National and international health agencies, such as the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, I would say that most, very often they're for disease promulgation, but continuing the article, the Europe, according to the CDC the European Medicines Agency EMA and the World Health Organization WHO routinely and emphatically claim that serious adverse events following vaccination are rare nowhere in officialdom's minimization of vaccine risks more, nowhere in officialdom's minimization of vaccine risks more apparent than in these agencies position on vaccine related deaths The WHO, for example, states that, quote, so few deaths can plausibly be attributed to vaccines that it is hard to assess the risk statistically, end quote. Nevertheless, once regulators have deemed that a given vaccine is safe enough to be licensed and widely marketed, vaccine manufacturers are supposed to do just that. That is, continue to statistically assess a vaccine's risks, including the risk of death. And regulators are supposed to carefully review the post licensure data that pharmaceutical companies submit. GlaxoSmithKline neglected to report to re- regulatory authorities that there was a statistically significant increased risk of sudden infant death in the four days after administration of its hexavalent cro- vaccine. That's a vaccine that has, that's a Supposed to stimulate antibodies for at least uh, six pathogens. A 2017 commentary by India-based physicians Jacob Pulliel and C. Sethi Yamala in the Indian Journal of Medical Ethics describes a shocking declaration of duty, dereliction of duty, on the part of regulators who were presented with vaccine data carefully tailored to obscure serious risks tackling concerns about infant deaths that have occurred following hexavalent vaccination in several European countries. The authors of the commentary show that GlaxoSmithKline neglected to report to regulatory authorities that there was a statistically significant increased risk of sudden infant death in the four days after administration of its hexavalent vaccine, and the regulatory agency in question, the EMA, ignored the omission and accepted GlaxoSmithKline's apparently whitewash data at face value among world regions european countries have taken the lead in incorporating hexavalent vaccines into their childhood vaccine schedules hexavalent vaccines are potent six in one combinations combination shots covering diphtheria tetanus pertussis hepatitis b polio and Hemophilus influenza type B, and just to interject, why would you give a hepatitis B vaccine vaccine to an infant when hepatitis B is so much more common among those who have a lot of sex partners, unprotected sex, and they're intravenous drug users, and the immunity wears off after five years? So even when they're five years old, they're going to lose immunity and need a booster shot. So, why would you do that? Well, it's just to increase market share, apparently. Continuing the article in 2000, the European Union approved two hexavalent vaccines, GlaxoSmithKline's Infanrix Hexa and Sanofi Pasture's Hexavac but suspended HEXAVAC five years later after a detailed analysis suggested that children who received the vaccine in their second year of life had an elevated risk of sudden death. The analysis by doctors Puyol and Seth Yamala suggests that in Fenrix, HEXA may just be as problematic as the discredited HEXAVAC vaccine. In Europe, vaccine manufacturers routinely provide the EMA with pharmaco vigilance documents called periodic safety update reports, or PSURs. The PSURs are intended to be critical medical analyses that evaluate, quote, new or changing safety data, end quote, and the EMA relies on them to make or uphold its vaccine-related policies. In its PSURs for Infanrix-Hexa, GlaxoSmithKline typically compares "Quote unquote expected and quote unquote observed deaths following hexavalent vaccination. If the observed deaths were too significantly to significantly exceed the expected deaths, GlaxoSmithKline would be forced to report quote an increased risk of sudden infant death following vaccination with infant, infantrix hexa." End quote. According to doctors Puliyil and Satyamala. GlaxoSmithKline's analyses have been marred by statistical maneuvers and flawed assumptions that enable the company to mask probable risks. For example, GlaxoSmithKline's calculation of expected deaths relies on assumptions that overestimate expected deaths, while the company gleans its figures for observed deaths through passive surveillance reports that are not actively solicited or investigated and are notorious for underestimating the true magnitude of adverse events. That article I cannot continue, but you can find at childrenshealthdefense.org. Infant deaths following vaccination. The numbers don't lie or do they. You've been listening to the Liberation Station radio show. The site is theliberationstation.com. I'm your host, Chris Steiner. Tune in next time. Until next week, take great care.